Coach's Corner with Paul Ibarra. A place for real talk, nuggets, and motivation to get you rocking. If you like his content, drop him a review and send him an email with any questions at recoverycoach at setfreelife.net. Now, here's your host, Paul Ibarra. What's going on, everybody? It's Pastor Paul, once again, your life recovery coach, and welcome to another episode of Coach's Corner. I am so excited because I have totally, totally learned a whole lot in the last few weeks. And so number one, I just want to, I don't really think I need to apologize, but I will just for respect's sake, right? So in the last few weeks, it's been kind of hit or miss with my blogcast and, and blogging and podcast and all of those things that I have been doing on a consistent level. Now, I do want to apologize for leaving you hanging. However, I'm not going to apologize for all the stuff that I've been learning. You know, God is so great this, not just this year, but that is one of our themes. That is the theme at Set Free Life Church that I told everybody from January 1, this whole year's theme is God is great. Now, here's how great God is. Over the last few months, I've really been going through a transformation and reading a whole lot more books from uh, Pastor Darius Daniels to John Piper, to John Maxwell, um, uh, James Clear with Atomic Habits, and all of these uh, these essentials that I needed for my life are really, truly changing my life every single day. And so that is where I am not going to apologize because I'm filling myself with the things, the tools, the essentials that I need to be a better pastor, a better husband, a better father, and a better leader. So I want to break down today a little bit of what I've been learning. And this month, our church, we are doing a series called Framed. And it's very, very, um, very, very cool because I learned this message a few years ago from a very good friend of mine, Brandon Unique Freeman. He's a pastor, Pastor Brandon, and he titled it Framed. And it's talking about the whole concept of life, right? It's the whole concept of life, of how we do life, how our past can actually collide with our present in order for our future to be a certain way. But if our past is constantly in a place of, actually, no, if our present is always constantly mirrored by our past, then we really can't really have a really good future if we don't change those things and those perspectives, right? So that's what I want to talk about today, just in case you're not able to watch my uh, live videos on Facebook, or if you're not part of the congregation, I want to share this knowledge with you today. This is Sunday morning, right before service, a few, maybe an hour, half, hour and a half before service. And I was writing my notes this morning, and I just really felt like I needed to share it with everybody who is on my podcast. And so number one, I just want to thank you so much for uh, continuing to be faithful continuing to follow me and continuing to share these things out. If you are on Apple podcast, you can drop me a review um, or just share this out with your friends and family and do me a huge favor. Drop me a review, but not only an, a review, but you can email me at recovery coach at I would love to hear your responses. 
All right. I have very good friends of mine like Irma Richardson, uh, Scott Hanley, and a few other people that drop me e- emails every now and then of saying, man, this was good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing it. And so that's what encourages me to, to continue to keep going. And so if I get 30 reviews on my Apple podcast, then I get on onto another bracket, a higher bracket in order to reach more people, because I would love to have everybody in this room right now. But this is a way that God has um, allowed us to be able to do what we call ministry online. I want to bring you three key principles of the most important part of reframing your life. Number one is this. And this is all stuff that I've read. And it's also stuff that I've been through. Experience is your best teacher at times. Amen. So look at where you're standing. Number one, look at where you're at right? You can only get where you need to get if you know where you are. If you don't know where you are, you can never have a guide to let you know where you want to go. You'll never have that vision. You'll never have that landmark. You'll never have that circumstance that you want to get into. You never have that, that college degree, because if you don't look at your finances and your budget on how to accommodate that, you won't be able to reach those goals. So prime example, everyone here loves to shop, right? We go to the mall, we go to the store, traveling on a journey, maybe going on vacation. You can only find out where you're going is if you look at where you're at. So when you go to the mall and you go shopping, ladies and and men, right? We go to what we call the kiosk or the map or the whatever. And it's got all these different legends of how, you know, different stores are coded at different colors and all these different things that we use to be able to find out where we're at. Right. And so when you look at that map, there's that little red dot that says you are here. Once you know where you're at, now you know what effort it's going to take for you to get to the place that you need to be. So in life, it's the same thing. How do you project yourself? Where are you sitting in the moment right now? I'm talking to you right now. I want you to think about this. Where am I sitting at this moment? Where in life am I sitting? Because we have to understand, guys, that position is everything. When we see where we're positioned, when we see where we're standing, when we see what we're doing as well, normally what you do is where you stand. (laughs) That just dropped in my spirit. What you're normally doing is usually where you stand, is usually where you're positioned. If you're drinking a whole lot of beer, you're probably around some people that are drinking beer as well. If you're, if you're out there doing your stuff, you're probably in a club. If you're out there doing dope, you're probably around some dopey people, right? And I can say that freely because I was a dope addict. I was that guy that was in those different positions from the club to the crack house to smoking the weed, the blunts, all of that stuff. So you can only get to where you need to get if you know where you are. And so when we start looking at where we're at, now we can start looking around saying, where do I want to go? So the second point that I want to talk about this morning is the lenses that you have of life. Your lenses 
need a new prescription. Because let's face it, the things that we thought were clear in our past were really blurred. Because when you're living a dysfunctional life, when you're in this place of dysfunction, it becomes the norm because you're in it so much. Have you ever thought like, okay, so when you wake up in the morning to go use the restroom or grab some water, right? Everything's dark. It's normally dark unless you have night lights or something like that, right? But you can adjust to that darkness. You can adjust quickly to that darkness. You can adjust because your eyes get fixed on the atmosphere. It's the same with our past. It's the same with the dysfunction. It's the same with the dark places that we live in life. Those things begin to be comfortable. They begin to be the, fam- the, the familiarity of life. They begin to be the everyday norm. They begin to be the mundane thing that we do every day. So it seems like it's normal. So your vision needs to be cleared. Your vision needs to be, your lenses have to have a whole new prescription. Dysfunction will allow you to think jacked up is the norm. Who am I talking to today? If that's you, do me a huge favor. Email me right now. You can, you can go to your email on your phone while you're still listening to this podcast and let me know if this is resonating with you guys. All right. If you have any questions about it, let me know. Okay, so now that you're able to put those new lenses on, you've got the new prescription now. What's the new prescription? You start reading a little bit more. You dive into the word of God, a little bit more prayer, a little bit more seeking God, a little bit more seeking others, uh, a little bit of more accountability, a little bit more clearing the air sometimes. Sometimes, honestly, just cleaning your house will will really truly clear your mind. If you've got a room that's cluttered that you know that you've had to clean for a long time and you declutter it, you actually feel clean in your spirit. I know I do. So now that you see better, now it's time to make the right changes, choices, and decisions. When you do those things, I would say 5% of something, start changing 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%. What happens so many times, and I can attest that for myself, so many times when, when, when we know that we need to change, we start changing these things hugely in huge amounts. And then what happens after about two or three weeks, we get burnout. We don't really see the results. And so we stop. I was talking to somebody the other day, very good friend of mine, one of my leaders, and I said, you know, sometimes in life, because when we look at our production in life of the things that are left hanging in the rise, right? They're just things that we start and they don't, they're just not quite completed. And so then we go into something else because we think that thing wasn't the 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 thing that we were supposed to do. But in essence, We just said like two months prior, this is what God told me to do. And so we have all these things (laughs) that we leave hanging that we don't complete. I believe this. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm a pastor and I've got a whole lot of experience is that when we're in those places, 
we tend to think, well, you know what? I've got to do a new thing then because this, I'm not motivated in this area. So maybe this isn't what God wants me to do. Maybe I'm not supposed to do that for my pastor. Maybe I'm not supposed to be part of this ministry. Maybe all these maybes come into play. You ever felt that way? I know I have. I will always bring it back to me because I've lived life. I've lived 47 years. I would say I still got about 30 or 40 years left. I have a lot to learn still. There's a lot of growing to go. But everything that I share always comes back to my experiences. And I do tie it into the word of God. So in these places that I've been, I was telling my leader the other day, I said, listen, just because one thing didn't work out doesn't mean we have to go and try something new. What if, if we related it to a hamburger? So you order this burger, right? It's got all the fixings. It's got all the stuff, but there's one ingredient that you didn't want and they handed it to you anyway. So you get that hamburger, you get home, you unwrap it and you're like, they left onions on here. I told them no onions or, oh my God, there's pickles. I can't stand pickles. Do you throw away the whole hamburger or do you just take the stuff out that you don't want? You don't throw away the burger. You take the stuff out. You remove it, but you still keep the hamburger. Sometimes in life, in these projects that we do, we have all these other things that are in that project that have made that project untasteful. What if you remove some of those things and say, you know what? I still want to do the project, but all of this other stuff is not lining up with the taste that I had in my mouth the first time. Take the pickle out. So I'm going to leave that one right there. Number two, I want you in your introspect, in your places where you're standing, you're evaluating yourself. You're looking at yourself and, and you're looking at where you're standing. You're looking at your atmosphere. That's what I want you to do first is look at your atmosphere. Number two, I want you to look at yourself and really start diving into introspect, inventory, and even rate yourself and be totally honest with yourself and find a true friend that will help rate you. The only real truth besides the word of God that will set you free is the truth that you're honest with about yourself. When you are able to be brutally, totally honest with yourself. Now, I'm not saying condemn yourself and keep yourself in a spot that you can never climb out of. What I am saying is rate yourself. Give yourself a grade. Allow yourself some freedom to say, you know what? This is where I fall short. And have a friend rate it for you. I have recently sent out assessments to my team leaders. And I've also had them fill out a questionnaire about me. Now they will email those to my wife. My wife will compile them in all these different areas. And then I will get the results. I won't know who said what, because she's going to know. I don't need to know. I just need the feedback. And the reason why I did it this way is so that they didn't feel awkward 
me knowing who it was and they're telling me the truth about my people skills, about my productivity, about everything. But I need to know. I am not afraid to know my downfalls. And so that's what I want you to do, my friend. I want you to really look at yourself and then find a true friend, that real accountability partner, even if it's your pastor, your counselor, your sponsor, if you're going through 12 step, somebody that's really going to hold you accountable and not give you a bunch of BS, not a bunch of fluff, but real, true, bona fide truth. That's what I want you to do. And number three, I want you to look at those that are close to you. Check this out. Who do you spend your time with? Who do you spend your time with? Because who you spend your time with is going to, to is going to determine your tomorrow. Look at those that are close with you. Proverbs 13 and 12. The question that I ask out of Proverbs 13 and 20, I'm sorry, 13, 20, it says he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So the question I ask in that, in that scripture is who do you partner with? Who are you partnering with in life? Are you the smartest guy in the room or are you the dumbest guy in the room? I like to be around when I got to go and get counsel from people, from people that I feel confident that they're going to share the truth with me. I go with people that are at a higher level than I am because I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. I want to glean off of them. I'm not going to suck them dry, but I'm going to glean off of them, right? Also, bad association spoils useful habits. So what are you inculcating yourself with? What are you wrapping your mind around when you're associating with people? Bad association will always put you in a lane that you don't want to be. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Because relationships in life are key. When God said it's not good for a man to be alone, he wasn't only referring to a husband and wife. He wasn't only talking sexual. He wasn't always talking, just talking intimate. He was talking all of that encompassed in one. He sent a helper. And isn't it funny how in the beginning of the word, he said, I will send a helper, a helpmate. And then Jesus, when he said, I'm leaving, you need this companion called the helper, the comforter to lead you and guide you. Isn't it crazy how there's that paradox? There's that thing there that in the beginning, he said, I will send a helper, a companion in the flesh. But at the end of the story, Jesus said, I will send a helper that is the spirit. Amen. So in the beginning, God is saying, I am going to send a friend. I'm going to send in a human body what you need. Right? Because let's just face it. Here's one thing that <laughs> sometimes it makes me cringe when I ask singles, you know, what are you looking for? Well, I'm married to Jesus. Okay. I get it spiritually. That's cool and all. And it sounds great. But at the end of the day, you need some physical touch. Right? And you get that even in just friendships. 
I'm not talking about homosexuality. I'm talking about friendships. When somebody pats you on the shoulder and say, man, good job, bro. Somebody gives you that fist bump. Good job, bro. Somebody gives you that hug, that 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 real dap, that, you know, just that handshake like, boom, bro, you did good. It makes you feel good. It does something to your emotions. And God knew that. Right. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, says iron sharpens iron. We sharpen each other in life. And that's why it's important to have friends in life that are going to hold you responsible, hold you accountable and help you to achieve the development inside of us. Friendships develop us. There are certain things that we need. These are from my notes. We need others in our lives to help us accomplish what we cannot do on our own. I'm going to say that again. Friendships develop us because there are certain things we need others in our lives to help us accomplish what we cannot do on our own. So if you have a vision of building something, but you don't know how to build and you have a friend that knows how to build, he's going to help you build that if you're his friend. Then you reciprocate that even though you can't do the same thing he does or that he did for you, you can maybe make him a meal. You might be able to be that friend to really just talk to the guy. You may be that person that's able to vent or he may be able to vent. You see what I'm saying? You have to be able to reciprocate those things so that you're able to help each other. Another point is you've got to find the joy in life especially in friendships. Joy is not being selfish. God wants us to be joyful. He says, make a joyful noise, not a simple everyday mundane noise. He says, make a joyful noise. I come to give you joy. I came to give you life. There's life and death. Choose life. There's blessings and cursing curses. Choose blessings. Choose the good things that are going to bring you joy. What we've gotten caught up in, in, in me, myself, in, in prime uh, example of that, it was for years, it was, I'm just supposed to be this lowly person that's going through stuff every single day. Yes, we go through trials and tribulations. However, when we have the joy of the Lord, can't nothing stop us from accomplishing everything that God has for us. So don't think that joy is being selfish. He wants us to be joyful. My last point is this. Number four, the power of one. I'm going to say that again. The power of one is more encouraging than thousands of hand claps. Jesus himself got away from the multitudes Jesus himself got away from all of the people that were fluffing him. I can't stand fluff. Fluff is cool at times. Encouragement is not fluff. Fluff is BS. Fluff is telling you all the good things about you and all the positive things about you. And there's never any negative that comes out of the person's mouth about what you may have done right or wrong. That's not true leadership, guys. True leadership is saying, listen, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to love you, but I'm going to have some truth too. And that's one of the keys about being a coach, a pastor, a mentor, a leader. I'm going to tell you the truth in love and I'm going to love you 
with truth. They both work together. Amen. So Luke 17, 11 through 19 is the story about the lepers, how there were 10 lepers and only one came back to give Jesus praise. So watch this. This is where the power of one comes in. There has to be withdrawals and deposits. This guy took a withdrawal from Jesus. He got healed. He went to the priests. He was healed. He comes back and gives Jesus the praise. What does that mean? There just may be some information that you have inside of you that somebody is just there. You drop that, in, that, that information on them. And when they go use it and they find out that it's true, it's real, it's powerful. They come back and they say, Hey man, thank you. Thank you for giving me that piece of information. Thank you because that healed me. Thank you because I got that job. Thank you because I got that interview. Thank you. But they came to deposit back that encouraged. And even with Christ, he said, because only the one has come back by your faith, you have been healed. Because Jesus asked the man, where's the other nine? But only you came back by that you are healed. Boom shaka. That's the powerful thing about the one. I, a few years ago, created this group called build your one and it's on Facebook. And the whole concept of this group is you take one person per year and you build them without them knowing. And at the end of the year, you reveal it to them and they're like, Oh my God. So then they go get one person that they work with all year without telling them. And they start building. It's the power of one. And so when I was reading this book and I got this nugget, the power of one, I'm like, wow, this is something that I did three years ago and the group is still going. Do I go in there and post every single day? No, there's times when I don't go in and post for two or three weeks or even a month or two. But it's the concept every single year. Build your one. Amen. Whew. Listen. I want you to understand something today. God's authentic picture of you is far greater than the picture that life and you have painted for yourself. You've just been framed to think that you have to fit a certain way. You may be a four by eight thinking that you need to be in a five by nine. You may be a five by nine. Somebody's telling you that you need to be in a three by seven. <laughs> so you're trying to mold yourself to be in this frame that life and people have caused you to think that you fit. And for some reason, you just seem too big for that frame. And then those same people that are, that are those crab dwellers that are pulling you back into the bucket are telling you, Oh, you're not humble enough. Oh, you think your ministry's big. You know what? You're, you're, your ministry is just too noisy. Like you're all over Facebook and you're just all about yourself. No, it's not that it's too big. It's that God has already placed something big in you that in others eyes, they're either jealous because they're not going anywhere or they're just hating on you. Period. I don't know how other, no other way to say it. Their mind has to be reframed for themselves. So with that being said, listen, guys, I want you to understand something. What God has placed in you, no man can ever take from you. However, 
if you give it up to another man, that's how they take it. So don't allow anyone to take your thoughts, your dreams, your visions, and your passions any other place than where God has already told you they're going to be. So my friend, I am Pastor Paul, your life recovery coach. Reach out to me if you need me at setfreelife.net and I'll see you on the next Coach's Corner broadcast. God bless.